0: Amen. Open your Bible with me, if you would, to Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10. The title of my message today is A Legacy of Prayer. A legacy is something that someone, a predecessor, leaves. For those that are behind. It's something that we leave from one generation to another. And when Pastor Brian asked me to share tonight, I want to talk to you about the legacy of prayer personally in in my life, but also in us as as a people of God and what the Lord has given us. I ask you to turn to Ephesians chapter 2 verse 10 because this is, is my life verse. Let's read it together. It says, For you are his workmanship, for we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand. He prepared it ahead of time in advance that we should walk in them by faith. But I didn't ever have that label attached to it, but I realized that this was my life verse. It was something that was personal to me. It's something that kept me on track and kept me focused. It was an anchor that kept me grounded to be able to navigate those seasons of my life. And for that, I'm very, I'm very, very, very grateful for what the Lord has done. Proverbs twenty two eighteen 18 says, do not move, do not remove the ancient boundaries or the ancient landmarks that our forefathers have given us. <clears throat> I want to give you a little testimony how there were some ancient forefathers, men in my life that had left a legacy of prayer by a lifestyle, both by precept and by example that have helped me stay focused on the plan, purpose, and destiny of God. Just kind of a little small, brief bio. I was born and raised in New York. I've been down here for over 35 years. I still have a New York accent. So you can imagine when I moved from New York to Valley City, North Dakota, North Dakota, I don't know who was in a greater culture shock. Me being immersed in that culture. I'm hearing somebody with a New York accent. Anyway, God had to bring me out of my environment in New York, and I got saved in Valley City, North Dakota. I taught in a Catholic school there for one year. I still had my name on the, uh, if you would say, the teacher agencies list, and I kept on getting information, and all of a sudden, there was a list, a name for St. Anne's School, West Palm Beach. So coming from blizzards. And 25 degree below zero weather, all of a sudden I had images of palm trees and sand and seashore. I said, that's got to be God. So I moved from Valley City, North Dakota to New York and was working in a Catholic school right here downtown West Palm Beach. And and that small group and community, even back then, they had a a charismatic Bible study where I got filled with the Holy Ghost. And talking about upsetting the apple cart and just shaking everybody's life, that was the beginning of a, a life and a journey and a walk with God. I started attending Trinity Assembly of God Church. It's now Trinity Church International with Pastor Tom Peters. And that's where I was first fed on the milk of God's word about faith and the love of God and the faithfulness of God and prayer. And Pastor Peters, led by both precept an example. And I want to talk to you tonight about there with really three ancient boundaries and landmarks that were given to me. The first one is that prayer is both taught and caught. Pastor Peter's led by example where the word of God was taught. And I was off during the summer being a school teacher and listened to a lot of teaching back then. Back then we didn't have CDs. We had cassette tapes back then. So I would have my cassette tapes and lift, listen about teaching, about faith and about prayer. And I found that Proverbs 18:22 said, he who finds a wife finds a good thing and obtains favor from the Lord. I was single at that time and I was asking the Lord for a good thing but he and then i found out that psalm 84 uh, uh 11 says that the lord god is a sun and shield that he will not withhold any good thing from those who walk uprightly so at first the the emphasis was on the good thing and i was thankful for that but then i realized that if i wanted to get a good thing i had to walk uprightly So right away at an early early age, I just kind of believed that I better get my act together, get my strength together until I found that good thing. And she's sitting on the first row in the second seat, Charlene (laughs) Bippalene. Next year we'll be married, 35 years of splendor and bliss, mostly splendor, mostly bliss, but some speed bumps and obstacles and rabbit trails and detours and speed bumps along the way. But praise God for that. So. What was taught at Trinity Church International was, was caught there, okay? And I was so fortunate that, you know, when God brings a good thing into your wife, it's a good thing. Because it was a good thing that she had the same heart that, that I did about prayer and, and, and seeking God. So we started praying together for our kids and for our family. And then eventually, uh, later on, there was a man called Dale Gentry who operated in the prophetic and there was a, a this was before early morning prayer it was uh, actually god brought del gentry there he came from larry lee's ministry back in the 70s and the 80s was you know could you not tarry one hour and god used these men to teach prayer so god sent del gentry there and one day i remember on that side he pointed to me and said that man in the dark suit with the dark hair i still got the dark suit but i don't longer have the dark hair <laughs> But there was a prophetic word that came and I could just explain it by saying it imparted, released and unleashed all at the same time. Things concerning the call of God and the plan of God and and prayer. So that time when prayer was birthed, morning prayer was birthed at Trinity Church, it was not only taught. But there was an atmosphere and a climate for it to be caught. Hallelujah. For about 10 years, I taught motorcycles riding at, at Wellington High School there. And we would go to the class for a season of time. But all the time, the, the, the students in the class were saying, when are we going to get to ride? Could you imagine a motorcycle class, Pastor Brian, I was spending 20 hours in classroom, but no time on the range running. And there was a a term that we coined that if the wheels were not turning, we were not learning. So I want to emphasize one of the boundaries and and landmarks and foundational stones that that the Lord had set early in my life was that prayer is both taught and caught. But I have to confess I didn't know that back then. I have to be honest, I was excited about that. I was enthusiastic about it. But a lot of times I went to these things because I felt a call of duty. I felt obligated to go. It was only until years afterward. Let's face it, brothers and sisters, family of God, when we grow up, when we were children, when we were teenagers, we took our parents for granted. It wasn't until years later when we were grown, I remember my mom saying, you just wait till you have your own kids. And sometimes, unfortunately, even when they pass on, that we realize that God put them there in our lives for a purpose. I took for granted some of the teaching. I took for granted the, not only what was taught, but I took for granted those with whom I caught it from. And it wasn't until years later that the Lord helped me to come to appreciate those who taught and those who took the time and were willing to release and impart that which was given. And for that, I'm grateful. So prayer is both taught and caught. And I want to say that here, prayer is taught. I remember back in, on, on, I think it was March 28th, when Pastor Brian preached a message about the priority of worship. He talked about you know setting a time from your schedule and how precious the, the presence of God is. And the presence of God is where his life flows and that we have to be willing to exchange that which is good for that which is best. I, I like what Paul said. We have to be willing to change that which is lawful to that which is expedient. Hallelujah to God. So prayer is taught here, but prayer is also given an opportunity for it to be caught. We have 21 days of fasting in prayer. In, in the beginning of the year. We have early morning prayer here five days a week from Monday through Friday from 6 to 7 a.m. And I understand that not everybody could make that. I understand that. But we're also going to have these special times when God calls us together. And when there's a call, when there's a corporate call The corporate call is to make an an individual impact, but that individual response ends up being a corporate response to a corporate word. When Nehemiah said, God has said, we will arise and build, the people's response was, yes, we will arise and build. Hallelujah. So when God gives us a word, there will be an individual benefit from that corporate word, but there must of necessity be a corporate response. We sang that song, God is raising an army. I believe with all my heart that there's a stirring and a wooing and a beckoning even now in the hearts of God's people. And there's a a, a knocking on the door of our hearts to respond to the Lord. It's not so much to come and to do, but it's to come and behold him. It's to come and know him. It's to come and spend time with him. And that leads to the second ancient boundary and ancient landmark about the first one being prayer is both taught and caught. The second one is that prayer is relationship based not event oriented. Now listen, this is where this is where we miss a lot of people right here. Because when the Gulf War broke out, glory to God, the the nation was responding to the, the clarion call of prayer. And then when that event was over. Everybody went back to their own normal life of mediocrity and will be. This part right here to me is critical. It's relationship based. It's not event oriented because in the beginning I have to admit I went because of duty. And I want to say that it's during this season of Prayer is when we grow. Everybody's prayer life is growing. Everybody's prayer life has grown from infancy stage to maturity. And, and I, I'm not sure who exactly what it was, but he talks about the stages of from duty, discipline, desire, to delight. So sometimes I went to prayer because, well, the pastor said, go, so I'm going. Okay dragging our kids along at the same time but that 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 sense of duty began to grow and mature and say you know what the Paul talks about being disciplined and, and and keeping your body under and so I'm going to go because I believe that I saw that as an example in somebody's life I'm going to follow that example I want to be disciplined like them so I followed that discipline. And then after a while, guess what? If you stick around close enough to the edge of the creek, you're going to fall in. All of a sudden, that, that, that duty that matured to discipline now has desire. Hey, I like this stuff. Hey, I, I like going to prayer. I'm spending time with God. I'm seeing prayers answered. Hallelujah to God. And all of a sudden, then your desire changes to delight. The Bible says if you delight yourself in the Lord, he'll give you the desires of your heart. Hallelujah. So. The going to prayer is not just about our relationship with him, but it's our relationship right here amongst one another. Hallelujah. Robert and Curtis and Pastor Alex and Pastor Brian and Ron and Eddie and different ones, we meet and gather and ram on on different days of the week on Monday morning, Tuesday morning, Wednesday morning, Thursday morning, Friday morning. I can't wait to go. Not to an event. I can't wait. To be with my brothers and my sisters. When we pray together. When we come to church in the morning. What's true individually. Is also true corporately. When we come to celebrate. The Lord Jesus, we sang those songs this morning. When we come to celebrate the Lord Jesus, I don't come and I did it when I was a teenager. I was a CEO Christian, Christmas and Easter only. I came because I was obligated. I came because I was bound by duty. I came because I was disciplined by my mom and my dad if I didn't go. But then all of a sudden you get born again, you get filled with the Holy Spirit. All of a sudden you're around brothers and sisters that love God. We get to celebrate Jesus together. We get to be in the presence of God together. We get to celebrate what he's done for us and then the redeemed of the Lord say with one mind and one accord, look what the Lord has done, hallelujah. We gather together to hear his voice. We gather together to hear his word. We gather together to celebrate his goodness and grace and that's what he's done. So we come not because we have to. We don't pray because we have to. We pray because we get to we come because we get to hallelujah 7 5 days of fire you think there's a coincidence that there's a prophetic word talking about a shift you think there's a coincidence that this thing with connect groups are taking place at the same time you think there's a coincidence that that Columns that were there that had all form but no substance of support that God is removing those things that have no form or support and he's in establishing a foundational work here in this local body. Hallelujah. It's happening. All but The Holy Spirit is tugging on our hearts. He's bearing witness. Yes, I'm saved. Yes, I'm filled with the Holy Spirit. Yes, Jesus is good. This I know for the Bible tells me so. Hey, God's doing something. Hey, God's doing something. God's nudging on my heart. So just to review, the first thing was that prayer, hallelujah, is both taught and caught. The second one is prayer is relationship-based. Not event-oriented. Revelation 3.20 says, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. He was talking to the church of Laodicea. He said, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If any man hear my voice and open the door, I will come in and sup with him and he with me. I want to tell you there's a beckoning by the Spirit of God that wants to spend time with his people. He's called us to be saved. He's called us to witness. But he's called us unto fellowship with his son, the Lord Jesus. And he's called us to fellowship with one another. And not only is it true by relationship individually, it's true by relationship corporately. Folks, there's a unity and and a a oneness and a harmony and a being in one accord that takes place when the body of Christ comes together and we're in one mind and one one accord and we hold fast to him as the head. All of a sudden, his, his anointing begins to flow like the anointing upon the head of Aaron that flowed down to the outer skirts of his garment. There's a corporate anointing that can take place that we haven't experienced yet, but we're getting the first fruits we're getting a taste of it did you ever go to a restaurant and order an appetizer and the main course and you got the appetizer say boy that was good i don't want to eat too much of that and they forgot you to bring the main course and they forgot to bring the main course The main course is him to sit at the table of the Lord and to dine and fellowship and sup with him. And he's giving us an inkling. The Holy Spirit is our down payment. The Holy Spirit is our pledge of those things that are to come. Hallelujah. Kat, our daughter, lives in Knoxville, Tennessee. She's a registered nurse up there and she came home to spend time with uh, with us on vacation. And when she comes home, she gives Charlene the, the menu for the week. So we get to eat when Kat comes home. No, just kidding. So, but she told us, you know, she shared with Charlene and said, you know what? It's not fun eating alone. Even Carissa, who's working nights, we eat with her a little bit early so she could have somebody to eat with. Relationship is body oriented. In whom the whole body, it was on that being fitted and held together by that which Every joint supplies. When you come, if you come out of duty or you come out of sense of obligation, that's what you bring. But if you come with expectancy and you come with faith and we get to be together in the presence of God, the glory of God's going to come, hallelujah, and reveal his goodness and grace to us and the riches of his kindness towards us as we gather together. That's what we should believe when we come together, hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. The third landmark that has kept me focused was is that prayer is part of our inheritance. I shared this one time in a small group with the men. Uh, our son-in-law, Derek, is really a, a gifted musician. So when our grandson Aiden was born. Guess what? He was born around with with all of his toys—drums, tambourines, maracas. Okay. So we had a video, three separate videos that I put together of little Aiden. What was he about? Two years old, baby. About two years old. Derek was playing on the piano, and Aiden is Aiden's dancing. Two years old. Derek was playing on the piano, and Aiden was playing the drums. De- Derek was singing or dancing, and Aiden was banging the keys on the piano. Well, you said, you know, Tom, I mean, look look how infantile or how immature that gift was. But the point is, Aiden has his daddy's genes. Aiden has his daddy's DNA of musical gifts and talents. DNA is that part of the chromosome that transfers characteristics, qualities, gifts, and traits. We have our father's DNA, our heavenly father's DNA. So when we pray, we're doing what we were born to do. We were doing what we were created to do. We're following, like Aiden was following his daddy's footsteps we follow our Heavenly Father's footsteps. Even though Aiden might be two years old, but Derek is practicing, he's in the presence of his father receiving that which is taught and that which is caught. He's getting it from his daddy. Hallelujah. So I want to encourage everybody here today. Listen to me. You may say, well, Tom, you know, my, my prayer life, I'm just started. I'm, I, I haven't really even gotten started. Or maybe I was like those ones that, you know, I came to 21 days of prayer and I haven't been back since yet. That's okay. Today is the day of new beginnings. Hallelujah. Amen. (laughs) Behold, the former things have come to pass. New things do I declare. Before they spring forth, I'm telling you again. God has already been stirring in your heart about prayer, about drawing nigh to him. But it's not going to be by works. It's going to be by his grace. That's why Ephesians 2.10 says that you are his workmanship created in Christ for good works which he's already prepared ahead of time in advance. Pastor Brian, Pastor Alex... Brothers and sisters, those connect groups are already, have already been in the heart and mind of God's blueprint of what he wants to reveal. And the master architect is giving directions. The wise and master builder is gathering laborers together into the kingdom. And who is going to go out into the highways and the byways? Who's going to compel them to come in? Who's going to stand in the gap, hallelujah, for this land that we're talking about today? Glory to God. So our inheritance we receive by birthright because we've been born into the kingdom. But we also receive an inheritance, something that is left by a will or a testament. And in order for a testament or a will to be enforced, there has to be the death of the testator. Now the Bible says in Romans 8:17, 16 and 17 that the spirit of God bears witness in our heart that we are children of God and if children of God then heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ. Jesus said all that the Father has is mine and the Holy Spirit is going to take and reveal it to you. Hallelujah. We are on the welcome mat. We are on the threshold of what God wants to unfold and unveil and release and empower and anoint and equip and challenge and charge even every one of us here in these pews. There's no spectators. Every member being fitted and held together by that which every joint supplies. Hallelujah. You got something to supply? Because he's going to release it to you in the abundance of his grace and the riches of his mercy and kindness towards Jesus Christ our Lord working together with him he's given us prayer as part of our inheritance Acts 20 32 Paul was speaking to the church of Ephesus and he says and now brethren I commend you to God and to the word of his grace which is able to build you up and to give you your inheritance among those who were sanctified It's through the word, that which is taught. Isaiah 55 said, so shall every word be that proceeds out of my mouth. It shall not return to me void. It shall accomplish that which I please, and it shall prosper in the thing whereto I sent it. Our hearts, your heart, your family, your children, your marriage, your loved ones. Us as brothers and sisters in this local fellowship, God is sending His commandment to the earth through His prophets that we would embrace it, we will receive it, and we will say that our God is mighty and we will arise and build for that which He's called us to do. Hallelujah to God. Now, listen there is a beckoning, there is an invitation. There is a challenge that goes in the hearts of God's people. If ever there was a time for prayer, it's now. If ever there was a place to pray, it's here. Here in our church family, here in our own families, here in our city, and here in our nation. If you just look around and, and have even one ear open, this world is going to hell in a handbasket, but be not removed be not moved, don't be dismayed, don't be fearful, don't be faint-hearted God is saying, be strong and be of good courage because I will go with you, I will go before you the battles are not yours, the battles are mine and he gave Joshua hallelujah he commanded Joshua and said, I've given you Joshua to help the people possess the land Joshua being a type of Christ. Not only did God raise him from the dead and give us our inheritance, but God raised him to, from the dead to probate his own will. Hallelujah. He's the guarantee of the new covenant. So as great as his salvation was that saved us, as great as was the, 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 the impasse between my unrighteousness and his righteousness, my righteousness being as uh, filthy rags, as great as the salvation that I need, his saving grace saved us, hallelujah, and brought us out from the domain of darkness and transferred us into the kingdom of his dear son. Now seated at the right hand of the throne of grace, he ever lives to make intercession for us. So when we go into prayer, not by event, but by relationship, the greater one lives in us. I'm agreeing with Charlene and Alex and Curtis and Robert, but wait a second. Greater is he who's in you, who's he that's in the world. This is the victory that has overcome the world, even our faith. It is God who's at work in you. Both, to, Holy, I'm, I'm agreeing with the one who's decided to dwell in me. Paul told the Corinthian church, don't we know that we are the temple of the Holy Spirit? Don't we know that the Spirit of God dwells in us? Paul wrote to, to the book of Romans and he said, if the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead dwells in you, he will quicken your mortal bodies by that same spirit who raised him from the dead. Hallelujah. So instead of trying to go to prayer by an event, instead of trying to go to pray and just without it being relationship based, that the spirit of God quicken us and cause us to arise past Mark. To arise, hallelujah, And that same spirit that raised Christ from the dead will quicken us for this day, for this hour. This is the season of our visitation. His visitation in our lives, both individually and both corporately. I I am standing at the threshold of anticipation, looking to see, expecting to see, waiting for knowing in our heart that what God's going to do, he's able to do exceeding abundantly above and beyond all that we could ask or think.